Chapter 16. A Beer, A Burger, and a Story As much of a snob as Michael was when it came to good alcohol, he knew the best place to get a beer and a burger was a dive bar. He knew that the paramount place in this city was Gruffalo's. He didn't need special powers of divine intellect to find this out. Just Google. The true compendium of the world's most useless knowledge. It was a close rival to his own knowledge, but the truth was that his knowledge was far more important and accurate. Sam was eating like the monster that he had become. Three burgers, four beers, and a massive order of fries, and he was just getting started. The trouble with having double everything was that he had double the appetite as well. I know that you've established that you're an angel, but what exactly is an angel? I mean, not to be rude, but since we're going to be seeing a lot of each other, I assume, I think it's an important discussion to have, Sam asked. It's not rude. It's a very important question and has a great deal to do with why you are, Michael pointed a french fry at Sam and waved it around, what you are. Setting his burger down and picking his napkin up off of his lap, he wiped the little bits of mayo from the corner of his lips. Technically, I'm not an angel. It's a clever title that Ismail gave us to help scare the shit out of people that he needed something from. You said, us. There, there are more of you? Sam asked. There used to be. Now I'm one of only three. I have been alive for 11,000 years and some change. I don't know much about where I came from, how I was made, or who made me. I, we, were gifts for Ra. The Egyptian sun god, Ra, Sam interrupted. The one and only. He didn't know much about who made us either, at least not in the beginning. All I remember is waking up on the ground beside dozens of other angels, 42 to be exact. Michael pulled a very tall and half-gone beer up to his lips and proceeded to take a hard pull. We were his guardians at first, but after a few ascensions, he didn't need us to protect him anymore. Then came the Egyptians. First, there were just some small tribes that settled on the Nile. Those tribes turned into villages, villages into cities, and so on. We steered clear of them, and they had no idea we existed. Until Ra got bored. He decided that the only way he was going to be able to ascend was if something stronger than him killed him. Wait, he wanted someone to kill him? Questioned Sam. People had tried to kill him several times today, and it was not something that he enjoyed. Wait a couple of thousand years, and let's see how bored you get. Of course, it's slightly different for you. The monkeys are actually getting pretty smart these days. When Ra was walking the earth, they didn't even have the wheel. Michael took another swig of his beer and continued. Anyway, he charged six angels with killing him. At this point, it was no easy task, and he decided to fight back to make the whole thing interesting. It was probably one of the most amazing battles I have ever seen. This thing went on for weeks. In the end, they wound up killing him. Then, he came back stronger and slaughtered them. That's when everything changed. We knew that if Ra was willing to slaughter six of us for his own amusement, he would have no problems killing the rest of us, me included. Sam put down his burger. I thought you couldn't die. That comes later, Sam. Eat your burger. Stop interrupting me. This is a fabulous story, and I haven't been able to tell it for several millennia. Michael continued. People from all over Egypt saw this incredible battle. They told stories about it to each other, and as they tried to make sense of it, the stories became more and more like the stories you would hear in religious scripture. Thus, the Egyptian gods were born. Ra loved it. He took hold of the god identity and ran with it. 
He would make these grand appearances before the people so that they would further tell tales about him. Then, as all things involving the ego do, it got worse. Michael shoved another fry into his mouth and kept talking. He started murdering people by the thousands. He would spend days meticulously torturing entire towns for fun. Immortality had taken its toll on him. We approached him and pleaded with him to control himself, but in response, he attacked us. As a group, we were able to hold him off, but Ra was no fool. Knowing that none of us could kill him, he could only think of one way to become stronger. He flew into the sun. Why didn't he just kill himself? Like, cut off his own head or something? Sam asked. The flower wouldn't let him. He tried on so many occasions to commit suicide, to end his eternal boredom. Each time, he failed, Michael explained. So, why did flying into the sun work? Isn't that a little bit like suicide? The sun is a star with incredibly strong gravity. Once he got too close, there was no way to stop it. When he came back to Earth, he was tremendously strong. He knew how to split atoms with a thought. That alone was scary, but when we saw what he did to Uziel, we understood what true terror was. Several of us ran and hid. Others stood their ground. We didn't stand a chance against that kind of power. He could split atoms with his mind? No fucking way. So he was like a walking atom bomb, asked a rather impressed Sam. The atom bomb the humans made was based on plutonium. That is why it was so destructive. We didn't have plutonium 6,000 years ago, but that didn't make his abilities any less lethal. By the time he finished, there were only seven of us still alive. We expected him to hunt us for our betrayal, but he didn't. Instead, the strangest thing just happened. Ra just left. He flew off into the sky, and we haven't felt his presence since. That's a beautiful story, Michael, but um, it still doesn't tell me why you can't die. It also tells me nothing about this other guy. What is it, Ismail? Sam shoved the last bite of his burger into his mouth. He finally felt full. He sat back and adjusted his position to compensate for the now bloated waistline and let out a very deep, satisfying burp. Bringing his closed hand to his mouth to muffle the sound a bit, he noticed that the other diners were starting to stare at him. They were all doing so in a way that made it look like they weren't staring at him. However, they were all terribly bad at the subterfuge and gave themselves away immediately. It only took Sam a minute to figure out what they were all staring at. At first, he thought it might be the empty plates that filled the table, from his multiple helpings of food that he had just consumed. He knew it wasn't the incredibly good-looking angel that was sitting across from him. Then it dawned on him. He was still wearing the blood-soaked, sewer-stained, rubble and dust-covered clothes from the past two rampages he had been on. As he was glancing around the room to all the people staring at him, he caught sight of his reflection. Sam took note of the nappy, matted, blood-soaked hair. A change of clothes and a shower were definitely in order. Logically, it didn't make any sense for him to go home and get clothes. By now, they certainly knew who he was and would be looking for him at his house. Michael, I don't suppose you have a place that I could take a shower around here, do you? Right. Walking around like this isn't quite appropriate, is it? Well, I don't live anywhere around here. I spend most of my time in luxury hotels, he remarked. Luxury hotels? Are, are you some kind of millionaire? No. I have absolutely no need for money. I pretty much just tell people what I want, Michael said. Really? Get the fuck out. You just tell people what you want and they give it to you? Sam paused for a moment and squinted his eyes in disbelief. Bullshit. I told you I would never lie to you, Sam. Fine. 
prove it, challenged Sam. Fine. Michael raised his hand and gestured for the waitress. She rushed over to the table as if she were waiting on the president himself. What can I do for you? She asked. Can you make sure the manager takes care of our meal? Michael glanced over at Sam's face. He had a smirk that looked as if he were watching some cheap parlor trick. And could you pour a cup of water on my friend here? Also, while you're at it, could you walk across the restaurant and pimp slap that smug looking bitch in the corner for me? Sure, I'll be right back with that cup of water for your friend, she said. As she walked away from the table, Sam cranked his head to watch the waitress walk across the restaurant to the table in the corner. Rearing back her hand to last Tuesday, she slapped the unaware woman so hard it knocked her out of her seat. The form was so impeccable that the waitress looked as though she had been pimp-slapping people for a living since she was two. The smack echoed off the walls and reverberated into Sam's ears. His eyes widened as he pulled his head back from what he saw. The waitress walked away, back into the kitchen, and disappeared for a moment. Everyone in the restaurant was aghast. Many of the diners simply couldn't believe this random woman was slapped by the waitress. Several of them rushed over to console the woman now lying on the ground, holding her face in pain. As they huddled around the woman, Michael began to take notice of the escalating situation he had just created. Well, he said, this is about to get lively, isn't it? Michael stood up in the booth that he and Sam were sitting at. He took in a lungful of air and began to speak. All right, everybody, let's just calm down. Nothing you've seen is out of the ordinary. Everyone just go back to eating your food and forget the woman that just got the bitch slapped right out of her. It was like magic. Everyone stopped dead in their tracks and went back to eating. There was a young man that was helping the slapped woman off the floor. He just let go and dropped her immediately. It was like Michael had some strange power over these people. Sam wondered what else he was capable of. He had already seen Michael's impressive strength, but this was something else altogether. How'd you do that? Sam asked. Quite simply, the power of suggestion. You've heard of that, right? Of course, I know what it is, but I've never seen it work. Sam leaned on the table. Especially not like that. How did you do that? Through the power of my will. See, most people, humans that is, have a relatively strong willpower, but it only tends to get turned on when they are in a life or death situation. That willpower can either be elevated or depressed over the period of a lifetime, depending on their particular circumstances. Michael took another pull from his beer. Not only am I not human, but I have been alive for a very long time. My willpower is on a whole other level. I can pretty much speak, and most people will do whatever I say. How come it doesn't work on me? Questioned Sam. Two reasons. First, Ismail forbade it. Second, technically, your powers are stronger than mine at this point. But since you haven't had much time to practice it, I would say you have the willpower of a 12-year-old schoolgirl. What is Ismail's like? I bet he is way strong. Ismail can command matter into existence with a thought. As far as this planet is concerned, he is the Lord God. You and I are pointless specks of dust compared to him, scowled Michael. Sam found this to be an intense response. He had never heard Michael be so deadly serious about something, even though he had just met him this morning. He was defensive about the subject of Ismail. Sam thought it best not to push too hard. Just then, the server came back over to the table. Uh, the manager said the meal was on the house. She then picked up Sam's water and proceeded to pour it all over his head. Michael giggled. 
The look on Sam's face was one of what the fuckery. He was obviously not happy about being soaked. However, he had been covered in so much stuff the past 24 hours that it didn't matter. He pulled the napkin from his lap and used it to wipe the water from his face. He took in a deep breath and exhaled slowly to maintain his composure. So, uh, tell me about why you can't die and who this Ismail guy is, said Sam. Ismail is the most powerful being I have ever encountered, Michael proclaimed. He has ascended more times than Ra. If my guess is accurate, he has ascended ten times. I have no idea how he ascended the tenth time. Whatever killed him, it must have been powerful beyond comprehension. Currently, Ismail is the god of this world. This world, Sam questioned. You don't think you monkeys are the only sentient beings in the universe, do you? Answered Michael. This planet has been visited countless times by any number of species. You guys are just too blind to see it. Hmm, learn something new every day, said Sam. Anyway, about a hundred years after Ra disappeared, I was beckoned to the birth of a boy in the Middle East. I had no idea he was going to bond with the flower. Truthfully, I had no idea what the flower even was at this point. Ra was not very open about how he became what he was. For some reason, I could never get very far away from this young man. I watched him grow day in and day out. He had two brothers named Cain and Abel, explained Michael. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait. The Cain and Abel? Yes, the Cain and the Abel of biblical stories. They were Ishmael's brothers. Ishmael was the youngest, Cain being the oldest. One day, they were traveling into a nearby town when a terrible storm struck. Though I tried my best to have very little interaction with the boy, I wasn't about to let him die in a sandstorm, so I helped him find refuge in a cave. It was in the cave that they found the flower. Neither Cain nor Abel could pull it out of the ground, but Ishmael had no problems pulling it up. As the eldest brother, Cain demanded that Ishmael give it to him. When Ishmael refused, Cain became violent. Abel attempted to stop Cain from attacking Ishmael, but was killed in the process. Cain knew there were going to be consequences for killing Abel, and Ishmael was the only witness. He struck Ishmael over the head with a rock and left him for dead in the cave. What he didn't know was that the blood from Ishmael's wound traveled down the cave floor and made a blood bond with the flower, much in the same way your blood did. When Ishmael returned to the village the next day, he said that he and his brothers had gotten caught in a storm and spoke nothing of the murder Cain committed. Michael continued, Every day that passed, Ishmael became smarter, stronger, and more powerful. This not only made Cain insanely jealous, but it also drove him mad with paranoia. He fled into the desert in fear of Ishmael revealing his secrets, and was not seen for several years. When he finally returned, both he and Ishmael had grown into men. He asked Ishmael why he had never mentioned what happened in the cave. Ishmael said that he had forgiven Cain and that there was no need to end his life over a mistake. That very same night, Cain snuck into Ishmael's room, cut off his head while he was asleep. It took almost a month for Ishmael to ascend. He had to grow a brand new body. When he did resurrect, he was so disoriented that he killed 15 people in his village in a drunken power rage. He eventually caught up to Cain and attempted to kill him but was unable to. Cain had spent the better part of a month cannibalizing Ishmael's decapitated body. Something about the process had imbued him with immortality. Not only that, but due to the sheer amount of Ishmael's flesh that he consumed, he gained strength and wisdom as well. While he is not as strong as Ishmael by any stretch of imagination, Cain is still a very powerful being, and each time Ishmael becomes more powerful, so does Cain. 
Sam sat motionless. He had just had history rewritten for him. It all made sense, but it was a lot to process. He opened his eyes wide and blinked a few times. This was turning out to be a hell of a day. Okay, I got all that. But you still haven't told me why you can't die, stated Sam. Because Ismail decided to keep me around. Michael evaded the question with all the gallantries of a politician running for office. Come on, Sam, said Michael as he stood up from the table. Let's get you into something a little less obvious and a bit warmer. Warm? It's, uh, it's the middle of the summer. Not where we're going, 